Tony Gabagool, Grandma, something with fat and nitrates. Over here. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again for another episode of DFL Podcast. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm Steven. And that was a scene from the brand new television program, The Sopranos, uh, about a hardworking North New Jersey uh, Italian-American family. Um, and Steven, you want to talk about that scene briefly? Yeah, sure. So Paul and I love that scene for a couple of reasons, mostly because it has to do with um, cured meats and the, what, the, the kind of code name that Capicola gets in the New Jersey Italian uh, parlance, <laughs> yeah, which would be Gabagool uh, instead of Capicola. So in that scene, Meadow is telling her grandmother um, to not eat the Gabagool because it is full of nitrates. Um, and yeah. Then the next voice that you hear is that of uh, Stephen Van Zant, who you might know as the lead guitarist for the E Street Band, but he also... Uh, it plays a fairly major role in The Sopranos. That's just great. It's a great little Trivia. tidbit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the reason we're bringing this up is because Flagstaff doesn't have a lot of... Uh, gabagool. Actually, no Gabagool. But what Flagstaff does have is a ton of weird ultramarathon running people. But no one quite like this guy. So on the program today, we have Jim Walmsley. Uh, Jim kind of... He's been good for a couple years, but he really came on hard on the ultra running scene and just running scene in general last year with his performance at Western States 100 miler where he was flying through the course, gonna set a course record, win by hours, and then got turned around about, I think, 93 miles in and uh, ended up walking it in and I think placed 19th overall. Um, so, you know, that, that uh, Western States is in a couple weeks and Jim is fit, as fit as ever and it was a blast getting to talk to him and hear about his training. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really good good episode. Uh, and if you're not an ultra fan, which I imagine is a good percentage of our uh, audience here, uh, just know that Jim is not just a good ultra runner, he's a good general runner, and he very well could be one of the most talented marathoners in America, even out of people who only train for the marathon. So that should uh, entice you to listen a little further. And you know, either way, you should just listen because he's an interesting guy and had some pretty cool and funny stuff to say yep so uh without further ado jim walmsley on the dfl podcast hey jim this is the jankiest operation for a podcast you'll probably That's ever see oh it's a podcast oh yeah oh i didn't know that yeah dude okay. what you tell is the sound getting better in here yeah it's really surprising it actually picks up sound it, really it well. doesn't pick up the gurgling sure. sound of yeah. industry yeah. over there yeah yeah I don't feel like I've ever heard that gurgling sound. I know. I was sitting here. Well, I'm not here very often, but I did hear the gurgling. I don't know what that is. I usually run into you here, actually. I know. Well, because you're here always. Why are you here so much? I drink a lot of beer, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> this is just your spot? Dude, I'm, no, I go everywhere. <laughs> I, I have to spread here. it out, though. I know. That's like, I, was, I go to Mother Road, and they like know my name now. It's just All right. Yeah. yeah, I like Mother Road a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we'll end up tonight. We might even end up at Mother Road tonight. It's her birthday. We can go out and get some beers later. You should yeah. actually come along. Yeah, Renneker wanted to grab beer and food, so okay. I told him yes. Mother Road's and he gets before. pouty if I say <laughs> no to him. Big time. Yeah. But yeah, man. Yeah, so this is a podcast. Um, it's a subsidiary of the Sidious Mag uh, okay. organization. We don't yeah. have an org chart handy. It's a pretty complex yeah. web of hierarchies. But... We're in there. 
that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind at all. I'm just kidding. So yeah, man. Um, how long till Western now? Eleven days. Eleven days. Plenty of time. I have no idea. Less than two weeks. Okay. That's all that matters. Um, I guess the one thing I, dude, that run you did on A one. I want to talk about that. Just <laughs> like, because, why don't you ex- like, set up what A1 okay, is first because it right. means nothing to so, anybody yeah. listening to this okay thing. I know I'm just so excited about I know it. No. so the A1 loop is a very famous loop in Flagstaff 20.7 miles of you climb for about 7 miles and then it's kind of flat and then you descend for another 7 well, there's a big the hill at 14 there is a big hill well it's a mile 12 and a half to 14 right yeah I would say the yeah. middle loop that you kind of go up and down yeah but, but basically everybody in Flagstaff has done yeah A1 and everyone knows point. their fastest time yeah and I think breaking two hours is always kind of like a like people do like go for that and you ran what 159 the other day 159 but I screwed up a turn on it which how? ironic dude I've only ran that loop by myself once before oh really and so like <laughs> And even then, I had some, like, I don't know which way exactly to go, but uh, it was three and a half miles in. It's one I've never had a problem with, but oh, it's yeah. usually one where, you start, where right. you're totally with a group, and, sure. and it's a left. And, yeah, I went right a minute out and a minute back. So um, it was more like a 157 loop. Damn. Let's uh, pull up the Strava data that you were logging <laughs> in earlier just, to, just for further context for the fans at home. Yeah. So, well, okay. So going into that run, did you were you just like, I'm going to blast it? Obviously, you were going like a six-minute well, first mile. I wasn't sh- – I wanted to run a good long, hard long run. I think goal was to probably try to average somewhere around six-minute pace. Um, but seal it out because it was super windy out, and I was just I had no idea which way the wind was going to be blowing. I still have no way, I like no idea which way it was blowing. I think it was just kind of swirling. So yeah. sometimes maybe I caught some tailwind, but there was definitely some killer headwinds too. Did anyone run with you at all? No, okay. and it was like midday, kind of hot. But yeah, because I mean, like okay, so obviously I'm, I'm looking at this data, right? And like obviously. Um, Tell us about the data, Steve. Well, okay, so I'm looking at – I'm just – I'm nerding out. But anyway, so we got a bunch of like 210 to 212 marathoners on here. You got R.C. Naga, Andrew Limoncello, you got Fobble, Scott Smith, you know, an Olympian, 1,500-meter Olympian and Hamish Carson. Yeah. So like oh, – I was wondering who that was. Yeah. Oh, you don't, yeah, nice. he's, he's a Kiwi, man. Oh, um, damn. So yeah, dude, like – Yeah, that's a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> that, well, that, that, a month earlier, I also – ran my first long run hanging with Abdi. Oh, really? Yeah, we did 18 miles at Mountain Air. Okay. So that, I don't, yeah, I've, I've clicked together some good long runs lately. Do you think this is some of the best training you've put together? Uh, it's got to be um, in the fact that, like, it's the first time I've ever strung together three weeks of over 140-mile weeks in a row. Um, almost... There, there are a couple doubles in there. But, yeah. I was going to uh, say, did you do most of that in singles? The first week was singles. The second week, uh, I don't know what was going on, but I was super stressed out. I ended up taking a day off and then was like, screw it. I think if I do doubles, I can still hit. Like, I was going to try 160 that week, <laughs> and I was too stressed out and didn't do it. Backed off. But I ended up taking a day off, not running, and then just hitting the reset. And like, I'm going to still get after it this week. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm a numbers guy, so mentally yeah. I focus on that. So to hit 140 again was important. Um, but then the amount of climbing that I did with those three weeks was – I've never done anything like that. I did 27,000 feet, 32,000 feet, and 27,000 feet. Oh, my God. During those. So I've never that- come close to that. And, like, 
most road runners have no idea what that means or like be able to comprehend it. My like hilly trail run in air quotes for road runners gains a thousand feet in 10 miles and loses a thousand feet. Um, most road runners would never touch that route. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys in town only climb a thousand to three thousand feet a week. Definitely. Uh, when they're doing workouts and road workouts and tempo runs here in Flagstaff, uh, so you, the only way to do it is you got to go down to the bottom of the canyon a couple times a yeah. week. Yeah, I was going to ask you how many times you go to the canyon. I was doing it twice a week, and yeah. then I made up what's called the South Kaibab Marathon. Um, so you start at South Kaibab Trailhead. You, you have to park about a half mile away. You jog there, and you're going fully loaded with total ultra and total bottles and stuff. But I've just owned that nowadays because you got to eat. Otherwise, you're going to bonk. Yeah. Uh, so you start at the top of South Kaibab. You go all the way down to the river, six and a half miles, lose 5,200 feet. You climb back out. That's one half marathon, and then you go and you do it again. And then you get to the little glory lap of surviving the second time out uh, back to your car. And uh, hikers lose their shit when they see see you going back down again. Like, they're just like, this isn't real. (laughs) And they're just struggling to do part of the trail. Like, it's, yeah, seeing the hikers' reactions to this is your third time or fourth time even that you've passed them in one day and there's just snailing along like, yeah it's pretty hilarious so just for context the canyon that's being mentioned is the grand canyon <laughs> you've probably heard of it um yeah <laughs> so like if you lived anywhere else do you think you'd be as good as you are because obviously you have access to i feel like the grand canyon is such a huge part of your training if you're going there two well, three times a week part of my like life is i got out of the air force in 2015 and i got to kind of choose where I wanted to try to train and live. Uh, I didn't have any sponsors, so part of it was where could I think I could get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to live at elevation. I think more than on the track or even in the marathon, I think living at elevation for ultra running is even more important because the majority of what I do is going to be aerobic-based. You're basically just working red blood cells, your lungs and stuff. So... Um, to just do long, slow training, elevation is pretty key in, yeah. in my mind. Um, I didn't. I don't think I really took into the canyon, like took the canyon into that much consideration. Really? But in retrospect, between I don't think I even realized how many pro runners come through Flagstaff when I was debating. Uh, it was Park City, Flagstaff, and Colorado Springs were the three that I had in mind. Um, with I went to college in Colorado Springs, so I had a lot of connections there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Park City's kind of beats Flagstaff probably as far as pretty. But, yeah. Um, but everything's up and everything's down in Park City, in my opinion. Like, it's a little hard to get easy days there. Mm-hmm. Where Flagstaff, you can get good, easy, long runs, flat runs, road runs, fire roads. And then you can go to the canyon, get in a bigger mountain range than anyone else in the U.S. has access to. Um, yeah, Kaibab means mountain lying down. So it's basically just a reverse mountain range and you yeah. go down for, before you go up. And, and Same thing, and, right? And then out the back door um, to get up Eldon or around the San Francisco peaks is pretty stellar too. Sure. 
Um, well, let's just touch off the fact that you mentioned uh, going to college in Colorado Springs, the Air Force yeah. Academy. Yeah. Uh, why don't you just talk about that experience? Like, not only going to that school, but then having to actually serve yeah. in some capacity afterwards. Uh, it makes kind of for an interesting story uh, in the fact that it's not an ideal place to run at school. Uh, you go through college in four years. There's no redshirt year. Um, your freshman year is a soft hazing year, pretty much all year till uh, spring break. Um, and then it ends with a big, uh, what's called recognition weekend. And then you get to wear your backpack on your shoulders instead of carrying it everywhere. Um, so that's pretty nice. Uh, some runners hips get screwed up because of they're carrying their backpack in their left hand What's everywhere. the impetus to not be able to wear a backpack? Or freshman, I don't know. Oh. There, there's no reasoning behind anything. You okay. just do it. Right. And there's all these crazy dumb rules. And yeah, I, it's amazing. to. I haven't been back there in a, uh, several years now, but it's amazing to go back and you remember all these rules that you used to like live by. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. Uh, I ran okay there. I don't think I really ran to my potential in college. Uh, and then... Um, there's other guys that have ran faster than me at the academy. Uh, Justin Tyner was a year above me. He ran 1337 in the 5K. Uh, there's Jeremy Drankon, who was a year below me. His sophomore and junior year, he ran 1358. So those guys are two sub-14 guys. And then now you have guys like Patrick Corona that just ran 1331. And it's like... He broke four minutes in the mile and stuff, so really quick. Um, I don't think I'm as excited about the military stuff as maybe some of those guys. So I think, honestly, in like comparing it is my stress levels were probably a little higher. Yeah. That, that probably wasn't ideal for my college running experience. But I definitely fell in love with the process of training. Uh, I had Julie Benson there all four years. Um, and it was really fun to work with her. She's more mid-distance oriented, I would say. So uh, I'm complete opposite. I'm Mileage is king. I love doing the long run. I want to do more miles, and we butted heads a lot. But it was a fun couple of years to get someone with such a contrasting perspective on training and stuff. And, I mean, I ran 4-4 in the mile, and maybe I wouldn't have ran that fast just doing bigger miles. Sure. But at the same time, like, I always knew I couldn't kick, so it's like I'm never going to be a miler, so I could care less what I run in the mile. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I can kick for a 10K, like, because a 10K, you can draw it out to a, a full last mile mm -hmm. for, like, your, quotes kick. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I knew, like, the short-distance stuff, I couldn't sprint fast yeah. enough to, to be competitive enough for that. So I was just I, – I always wish I did a little more miles. But it was a lot about stress management while we were there. And yeah. even, like, now, if I talk to magazines or interviews about um, running, I feel like I have a good perspective on managing day-to-day -day stress. And that could be a lot of people's jobs in life or kids or whatever. Uh, the Air Force Academy has a lot of different stresses that aren't running. Um, so that kind of uh, – gives you a new perspective on balancing how much you should do or can do with just a busy life. Um, and then afterwards, uh, yeah, I went active duty Air Force. Uh, first base I was at was Vandenberg Air Force Base where I did training. 
And then I was up in Great Falls, Montana for two more years, uh, being a missileer, pulling 24-hour shifts underground, um, kind of off and on running. I say it's kind of my hobby jog days of running, but I mean, I still ran like a 68-minute flat uh, half marathon on a hilly course and stuff, so I wasn't like complete not running, but in my mind, I wasn't training competitively, I wasn't training consistently, it was just... I had fun training, and that's like kind of what I knew to do and what to go do. I'm bored. I'm going to go for a run. So. Yeah. Were those some rough years? Yeah, definitely a low point in life yeah. uh, when I was out there. Um, didn't really do great while I was out in the Air Force, which led to good and bad. But uh, leaving the Air Force uh, two years before my five-year commitment of just more or less uh, – it's time for you to go, and it's, all right, well, what am I going to do with my life now? And uh, leaving two years before what you thought you were going to be at, because actually it wouldn't have been until May 2017 that I got out of the Air Force. So would you have stayed, at, like, presumably, like, in a bunker for that entire time then, or would you have? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So pre- pretty much pulling the same job, uh, unless I wanted to stay in for a whole nother tour, which would have been closer to eight years. But then I would have been able to get into acquisitions, which is more of like a project manager type job. Um, And with that, you'd get more real life job experience um, and basically move on with life. But more or less, it was an unhappy time for me. So uh, I decided I wanted to go try doing something and live somewhere that would bring me more joy and happiness and running was that trail running was that for me at the time and um flagstaff was the place so kind of long story to get there but yeah do you use the you talk about kind of stress management and stuff that you learned in the air force do you use that in your races when you know you know you're about to run for 14 hours and i mean that's that's stressful to a lot of people especially doing it at a pace that I know you like to go out there and you like to run hard so you know it's gonna hurt is that have you drawn I don't think there's any tools that I use to manage it in the time I think some of the low points in life and and in Montana um it gives you perspective on is this low point in this race really that low sure is it really that big of a deal and the answers to that is just no. Uh, the answers are that it's short term. It's, yeah, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. You, you get to go home and you get to hang out with your friends and have a beer and not worry about what happens in the race at the end of the day, no matter what. Um, it's still just running and it's still just racing. And I think Montana gave me like two big things of one, learning to go explore the outdoors a lot better. Montana's completely incredible. And then two, uh, perspective on, um, it's just running. It's not life. So, uh, just go try your best, I guess, like, and see what happens. Uh, I think it also helps me put like my whole heart into a race of just, I think I am able to go to, uh, a darker place than most people. You find that with a lot of successful ultra runners. Yeah. That. A lot of successful ultra runners, ironically maybe, uh, tend to have some sort of background that I think they draw off of and maybe gives them the perspective that they need to push through hard hard days because it's not like a 5K. Like a 5K hurts. 
a mile. I always hated the 800. Uh, like, track hurts, and it's really hard. Um, and one of the most frustrating things about it is, like, a season-wide or career-wide is you're chipping away at seconds. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy uh, of how three seconds, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's nowhere in my league. Yeah. And it's like, really? Like, that's three seconds. Mm-hmm. But um, ultra-running's completely different. It's about like complete suffering it's not going away until you finish and even when you finish you know you're gonna have like hours three days to to a week of complete discomfort and when i first started it started ultra running the the soreness after races was the worst i i couldn't move i couldn't get out of the car the next day like it was terrible yeah what was your uh, first ultra race it was Old Gabe 50K, and I actually had other races planned after that, and it's just, like, progressively, like, I fell apart within a month from my first ultra race, and I raced a month later at Speed Goat 50K. Uh, I got beat by Anna Frost and Ellie Greenwood, <laughs> and I took 38th overall, and I walked the last 10 miles. What year was that? 2014, so I was still in the Air Force. Uh, it was out in the Wasatch Mountain Range, so it peaked out over 11,000 feet. I wasn't climatized at all. Great Falls is completely flat, so I didn't run a hill in preparation of it. <laughs> um, and I wasn't running a lot of volume. Like, I might have gotten up to 80 miles a week. Like, and it was just like, I lined up against Sage Candidate and Pat Smythe. And there was a premium of 1000 bucks for the first one to the top. And I'm like... You know, I'm not in the best of shape, and these guys are really good, but maybe I could just get the premium and then just finish. I got smoked like four miles in. Pat and Sage both ran away from me. But I I at least get to say, Pat was, I think, 20 miles in, sitting down in a creek and done. And uh, I at least was walking by at that point. And then Sage ended up running pretty well. I think Sage uh, came in probably best prepared with that in 2014, yeah. I was going to say that's like a pretty big difference as well between the whole track and trail running scene differences. Like track, yeah, you don't have to go to quite as dark of a place. There's probably not as much overlap between the track and depression Venn diagram. But the blow-ups in ultra running are probably way more different than the blow-ups. I've never seen someone in a track race sitting in a creek at the end of the year. You know, the closest thing is actually probably World Cross Country Championships this year. Where the Uganda guy was basically like... Going backwards. He he was limping sideways through and he almost won it. He almost ran away with it and got it in his home country and it was amazing. Um... That's probably the closest it gets to. I was a total Gatorade commercial of some guy cramping up back in the 80s. Just need some salt, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know some people are interested in um, the route this year for Western because of all the snow. Yeah. So is it going to be altered? Uh, they're making a call, I think, in another – a week before the race. Okay. Be- because temperatures have been so hot and they're getting hotter again. Um, they just don't know. It- it's mainly based off of if – Every, you can run on snow. Running on snow is not a big deal. It's mainly based off of uh, if they can get cars out to the first aid station, I think, at uh, Red Star Ridge. or Yeah, I think that's 10 miles in. Or maybe it's the 16-mile point. I think, Red, I think Lions, whatever, is 10. 
and then Red Star Ridges 16. And it's like getting crew out there or like water. I think one year they even helicoptered it in. Jesus. Um, and so they didn't do a snow wrap this year. Uh, Craig, the race director, said they don't want to do an altered wrap, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think I'm going to, no matter the route, I think I'm reaching a level of fitness again this year that I haven't seen in my own training, and I'm going to run a really fast time that's going to make a lot of people say, wow, regardless. Yeah. So I'm, I'm ready to go into that dark place and ready for a really hard day. So the course is irrelevant to yeah. me. Um, it's kind of just like you versus you, right? Like, I mean, I don't think you should – I'm not asking you to, like, yeah. disparage your competition, but, like, there's no one that's probably going to – Right now, I, I've, I'm on a good enough streak where um, it can kind of come across that way. Uh, and for the most part, how I'm probably going to – if I were to lose the race, it's going to be me break – like, Jim breaking Jim or um, – a wrong turn or an unfortunate event or a breaking <laughs> like i don't know so yeah i don't want another repeat of last year uh mm-hmm. one year is bad enough and then two years becomes like almost a choke so uh <laughs> you, you kind of need to do self checks throughout the race and realize like what's happening the situation and at the end of the day like if you walk out with just like just a win at Western States, which is a massive, big deal in ultra running. Um, that's a really, really great day. So ultimately, I have to protect that no matter what happens. But if things are feeling good, weather's good, course is good, like times are going to get clobbered for yeah, yeah. sure. Um, I actually made my like a little fake split sheet so far, but it was based off of uh, – they take pretty historical splits from aid station to aid station um, that cover most of them. And I, I actually took all of the fastest times, which I think I have a, probably at least four of them. Uh, from aid station from, to aid From station. last year, yeah. yeah. I, I got a few of them, or I was pretty close. And uh, But if I take the fastest times ever and add them up, it ends up being 13 hours, 50 minutes. Okay. Which I'm like, all right. I don't have to do anything that no human being has ever done before. Yeah. I just have to do something that no human being has done consecutively yeah. before. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, all it is, like, 100 miles is impossible. But when you break it down mile by mile, aid station by aid station, things become very possible. And eventually you get closer to the finish line, and eventually that finish line is possible. So it's all about just breaking it down. Sure. I know you were curious about how Western stacks up. Oh, yeah. Um, we, were, we were kind of speculating foolishly about this before you walked in. Um, so in, like, the hierarchy of American ultra races, where does Western fall? And then in terms of the global scale, where does um, that fall as well? Western States is probably hands down the biggest ultra trail race in North America, okay. uh, for sure. Um, I think there's probably argument or... Uh, the nod probably goes to UTMB, uh, Ultra Trail Mount Blanc in Chamonix, uh, France. Um, that probably takes the best, uh, it probably takes the biggest ultra trail race in the world, or yeah, in the world. Um, 
And then even above that, I would actually put comrades oh, above that. Shit, I forgot about that one. So comrades is a completely different animal in that aspect, though, because it's a 54, 56-mile road race. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Camille Heron just won. She was the second American female to ever win. Uh, and then the last American male to win was, a, was Alberto Salazar back in, like, 81 or 82. Um, so that, that one's... Uh, Probably the biggest, at least the prize purse. Out of those three, only uh, Comrades has a prize purse. Yeah, so Western doesn't even pay, right? No. Always no, yeah. <laughs> Comrades on your radar? It is, especially like as I hit some of these runs like A1 or I hang in with Abdi a little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, straight up in a marathon, Abdi's going to dust me. Or like yeah. if Abdi really wants to throw down, like Abdi's got more leg speed than me. So like even at 40, 41, like Abdi's a man. Uh, but yeah, it makes me kind of want to hit it sometime. Uh, I see comrades maybe becoming a focus in 2019 and 2020 because I would personally like to run at the U S trials in 2020. And, uh, I don't really want to run a marathon before that. So I jokingly say that I want to run the 2020 trials as my marathon debut. You got to qualify, right? Yeah, but you can qualify in a half marathon. Oh, yeah, that. So, and and I'm pretty confident in my leg speed as far as half marathon leg speed. Yeah. To, I think they just they dropped it down to 64, which I mean they could even drop it down to 63. Really, like the the guys that are running well in the marathon are probably running closer to 62 or under. Yeah. Um, the guys that are barely dipping under 65 last trials, like. That's where you saw probably more DNFs and more struggling, yeah. I think, um, as far as numbers-wise. Um, so you do. Did you just want to do the marathon of the trials as kind of like to say you've done a road marathon, or do you actually like have designs on running a fast one? No, no, I definitely want to try to run something fast. Yeah. If it's my one and only, uh, I want to try to run my best marathon ever. Sure. Cool. Um, but, yeah, so I don't even know what type of audience this is going to reach but this might spoil my plans but more or less my plan is to just try to time trial like a 209 210 marathon and i have no idea if i can do it and i won't know until probably the finish line's in front of me but uh or until i break well before that um but i think the cool thing about it would be coming in as an ultra guy and basically getting disrespected by everybody and uh three people qualify so if you can be a guy that gets disrespected and they let you go all of a sudden it's like well he's time trialing a pretty good time like way out there all of a sudden in a u.s trials type scenario it could literally happen yeah um especially when these road guys are like this guy never races on the roads uh i think being in flagstaff and doing the flagstaff long runs spoils a little bit of that surprise only because we have so many great pros here that are training for the marathon um that might react to it but yeah i was gonna say like who knows if i'm there like i know that i've i've been with you we've been banging out long runs like i know what you're capable of so i guess yeah i guess it would be less of a surprise to some people but um so with like your train intensity though you know you're running in 140s and singles do you actually how long do you think of a career you can have? Like, do you think you could even make it to 2020? How long? I think forever. Uh, yeah. And the fact that that's the way you got to think. Um, 
who knows? Is really is the real answer is who knows and who cares? Uh, a couple years on top is better than no years on top. Sure. And uh, yeah, we'll go hard till everything falls apart. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I have good ups and downs in my training blocks. I I feel like I balance things pretty well. I don't feel like I'm over racing right now. Uh, I've been lucky without injuries for a while now. Injury is probably just a matter of time, but that's just another another period to take as like a little bit of a downtime, really, and recharge the batteries to get training in big in the bigger blocks again. So it's all got to be just taken stride by stride. I think. Uh, I guess the answer is it doesn't matter, and I have no idea. That's awesome. So uh, that's the way I want to approach it. Okay. So another thing that we were kind of speculating once again with no basis on earlier was um, if you look across the board at guys who have accomplished even close to what you have in the old Joe world, for the most part, they aren't guys who have run four or four for the mile who don't have, uh, you know, even that much of an accomplished track background at all. Like, do, do you see your sort of emergence in the ultra sphere as a signal of change for the sport going forward? Like, do you see more guys in the college ranks bypassing the marathon altogether, just jumping up to trails? I think so. I think I'm an eventual end to, like, beginning to my own end. And the fact that, like, uh, yes and no, I guess. Uh, because the more I've gotten in the sport, the more I've realized there's counter-arguments for every success that has a track pedigree that would be considered good and gone on to success. And there's counter-arguments of guys that by track standards are complete garbage and work their ass off and you know what they're going to outwork every single one of those guys and they put in more work and they climb more mountains and they go do more crazy stuff um 140 mile weeks in the ultra world is really not a big deal um people it, yeah you get but doing it at the paces you're doing seems like a big deal i think that is what's separating me right now um i don't think many people have on 140 mile weeks with sub two hour 20 mile long runs at the end of those um in the ultra world but then you also compare it to top guys on the track and you're like well the top 10k guys the top half marathoners the top marathoners like they're banging out more than that and they're running fast like you you got to keep perspective i don't think you can get a big head about it and there's always someone doing more and harder i like Mm -hmm. I'm just avoiding those guys, I guess. Uh, but I, I do see more people skipping. Uh, even my recommendation to talented guys in my shoes, I wouldn't have a pro career if I was trying to stay on the track, if I was trying to stay in the roads. like That's just where the talent is, and it's a really difficult place to survive as a pro, ath- pro runner. Um, my suggestion to an up-and-coming kid would be look at the trails. Um, there's money in it. I think it's a romanticized part of the sport that is amazing, and it's extremely scenic, and it's extremely enjoyable to train this way. So uh, probably in 10 years, I'd recommend kids to start looking at it uh right now i need some job security so they can stay the hell out of it all right kind of my last question for you is about 
job security and stuff. So last year, I remember at Western, you weren't sponsored, right? You had Drymax and... Uh, Drymax put up some, like, performance bonuses yeah. for me. But, like, now you obviously have full-fledged Hoka athlete. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, right on. Did you get the shots you needed? Yeah, and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. See you in a Western sense. Right on. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good, nice to you. Right, you. We were saying bye to Jim's yeah. photographer. Um... So yeah, how has kind of like your life changed in the last year? And you were oh, saying you were dealing with some stress earlier. Has any of that stress, you know, from all oh, this, well, all this kind of new found from publicity? The, from stress from what? I don't know. You were saying how you had to take a day because you were stressed last year. Oh, or well, last that's week. this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, I'm saying is that that's because th- so there's good and bad to the territory. There's good in the fact that yeah, I have financial support. There's bad in the fact that I have to do interviews all the time. Yeah, exactly. And photo shoots. Photo shoots are probably the, the most time-consuming. Yeah. Um, and I just more or less, it's me trying to figure out that sort of things and balancing how I can make everybody happy without overstressing. Sure. Um, so, but right now I'm in a good place, I feel like. Uh, last year, though, uh, it was tough this time last year. I mean, before June, I had a serious talk with my parents about I'm taking a complete leap of, like so I got to Flagstaff because I got a job at Absolute Bikes working $10 an hour 45 40 to 45 hours a week um, and literally that job was so high paced it's, it's a really hard job yeah. <laughs> like uh, and I had to learn all about mountain bikes like I knew about road bikes a bit um, from when I lived out in California for nine months and I, I rode bikes quite a bit but out here is just mountain biking. So learning about that was completely new. Um, I called working at the bike shop Stump Gym Day. So and that's, that's basically just every day. So um, <laughs> the guys at that shop, though, were really awesome. Uh, and for them to give me a job up in Flagstaff with that many hours is actually really unique. It's really hard to get jobs here in Flagstaff. So, um, yeah, it totally, like, kept me afloat. But if I wasn't winning races when I left my job, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to pay rent. So, like, me winning $1,000 here, $1,000 there at some of these races was completely crucial if I wanted to leave for a week or two from the job that was helping me scrape by. Um, So, yeah, part of it was that I had, like, still academy uh payments that i had to do uh because i was supposed to have a job in the air force mm-hmm. and i was still making payments on that so that that's really what stressed out the budget um but to not have to worry about the budget as much is is huge uh to have the support from hoka i also run for nathan and cliff uh and to have their support has yeah, changed everything. I can't believe that I sleep in every day. I run middle day, and then I I get my run in, and I go have beer, and I go out to eat at <laughs> night. It's just like it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm retired and stuff. But and when I first kind of got into it, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Like maybe be able to do this for a couple years, and like I'm just gonna live big and just like have fun. And but now it's also starting to gain perspective of things are actually taking off pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
other people that have been able to take off really well, even like in ultra running or on the track, you end up making a whole career out of it. Yeah. And so this year has kind of gained a little bit of perspective of like, all right, maybe turn things back a little bit and uh, maybe save some money, maybe, and maybe think about longer term plans with it um, of not only staying healthy with running, but after running, uh, yeah, it's all a business and there, there's there's ways of making money in it. So it's it's been crazy. It's a lot of learning. It's a lot of talking to people. It's a lot of figuring things out, but um, things are a lot better off now than they were a year ago. Yeah. And it's a really cool story because I really felt like I put all my chips into moving to Flagstaff, working at a job, and making things work in Flagstaff. And it wasn't that I was better than other people that have come to Flagstaff and tried that. It's just that I'm one of the lucky stories that did take off. Sure. Um, so... Because there's, there's so many people that do it all the time here in Flagstaff. And being here only for two years now, you see so many pros still cycle through. And they come and go. And to feel like a pro that I might be able to actually stick in Flagstaff is pretty crazy. Um, there's not many guys here that stay here for a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like it. And, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. And then when that time is, I'll, I'll turn the page then. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So you don't want to be a some sommelier anymore? I was, yeah, I was, I was trying to I learn remember French. You told me about I was trying to learn French, and I was trying <laughs> to be a sommelier, like in the next five years of like yeah. while I'm running. But man, I've just started. Like I've been so healthy, and I've been pushing training so much. It's like I don't have time to do that. You can be tasting all that wine. <laughs> I can be tasting the wine. I can be tasting the wine. But yeah, yeah, more of my friends that I go out with drink beer, not wine. Yeah. So uh, maybe I need to either fix that or uh, <laughs> no. Um, we got a lot of good breweries here in Flagstaff. Yeah, I was gonna say so. that's a structural issue. There's only, only one yeah. wine bar here in town. Yeah, there's, like, there's no, there's, uh, three. there's three. There's three. three. You got oh, Vino. You got Flag Tour. What else? Uh, there's Blend. I've never Blend. been to Blend. Uh, yes, yes, of course. By Pita Pit. Yeah, it's like oh. Blends with a Z. Uh, yeah, doesn't really look like it a place. It always looks really dead. Pita pit, so yeah, yeah, and then do. if you go down to Cottonwood, there's actually a lot of vineyards though. Oh. There's probably about eight down in Cottonwood. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're sticking to running for the time being. Yeah, but I look forward to your foray into wine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll work out eventually, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, anything else, Paul? Um, no, I think this is a pretty triumphant note to end on. Unless yeah. you have anything you want to plug or mention that you have coming up besides the race we talked about for 45 good. minutes. Uh, I think, yeah, we got a video probably getting released the week before Western State. Oh, yeah, this so, is a documentary, um, right? Documentary. It'll go into a little bit of, uh, it, it kind of brushes it a little more than how much depth I would have liked. But uh, it kind of goes into some of the more depressing times I had in Montana. Yeah. Um, what caused certain issues and more or less my departure with the Air Force and uh, when will that be out? Um, I think they're aiming for the Tuesday Monday or Tuesday before Western States oh so very soon there's a different video coming out the week before that uh, Melissa Roos and Darren Roos uh, did a lot of video work last year at Western States so there's a lot of unseen footage from them that's going to release uh, probably in a couple days, uh, maybe like 10 days before Western Sweet. States. But uh, right now I'm working with uh, 
Mike Hermsmeyer and Matt Trappy on the, the video that's going to come out the week of Western States. Cool. Cool. Well, we look forward to seeing that. Yeah. We'll have to have yeah. uh, Steven get some links from you so we can post yeah. that as well. Yeah, right on. Sure. That'd be cool. great. Well, thanks, Jim. Thanks. Appreciate it, man.